cross is such a beautiful place. <clears throat> cross is such a beautiful place. So ugly, sign of death, a sign of, of torture, but it's where our hope is found. That, that our Savior would die on a cross, would pay a penalty that He didn't deserve, so that you and I wouldn't have to pay the penalty that we do. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we thank You for the cross. God, without the cross, our gathering together is, is useless. Our coming before You is useless. Because it's through the sacrifice of Jesus that we can come before You and be made clean. And be called Your children. So God, as we gather together as Your children, as a family, singing about how great You are, and considering Your Word together. We pray that Your Spirit would move among us. God, that You would bring the work. And that, God would, that, that we would not just be hearers of the Word, but that we would be doers. Do Your work in us this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can be seated. I don't know if... Uh, some of you I may not have had an opportunity to meet yet. My name is Drew. I'm, uh, I'm the new guy here, and I'm excited to, to have an opportunity to come up here and share with you guys a little bit this morning. So uh, this was one of the moments that uh, ever since uh, God kind of put it on our hearts that, that we would be transitioning and going somewhere else and, and started to make that clear that the rock was going to be that place, uh, this was one of those moments that I've looked forward to and, and played out in my head, and I'm just, it's finally here. And I'm excited to, to be here and to be able to share with you guys this morning. So uh, as we uh, get into the Word, we're going to be in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 again. Uh, as uh, we have been, you guys have been working your way through since long before I got here. And uh, I want to review. We're going to see how well you guys listen. So Pastor Mark's in the back. I hope you were paying attention last week. But I'm going to ask you a question. And let's see how you guys respond. So, my question is this. Are you at war right now? Are you at war right now? Raise your hand. If you're at war right now, raise your hand. Good. That means you were paying attention last week. We are at war right now. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 talked time and time and time again about the war for truth. That there is a deception that lives among the world that's coming and that as the church, we have a responsibility to stand up for the truth. We have a responsibility to hold to the truth. And how we hold to the truth is, is going to one day be judged as we stand before the Lord. So Mark identified the, the, the battle over the last couple of weeks. And to this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to identify how. How are you going to fight that fight? It's great that you know that you need to fight a fight, but how do you fight that fight? So as I was thinking about you know, what, what are some good comparisons that we might be able to make to this? Physical health came to mind for me. So I'm in my 30s now. It's time for me to start buckling down and, and, and getting a little healthier. You can't get away with all the stuff you used to do in your 20s. And so I want you guys to imagine with me that I went to the doctor and, and he told me, you know, he gave me the steps of what I need to do. And the first thing a doctor is always going to tell you when you're trying to get healthy is you need to eat right, right? Mom always said you need to eat more greens. And so... I've, uh, I've made a plan, I want to share my plan with you guys of how, not just that we fight, 
but how we fight. So the first thing that you need for a good, well-rounded meal is a sandwich or a centerpiece of the meal. So if you would show them my plans for the centerpiece. That's not the centerpiece. We got out of order. But uh, we're missing one. Where's my, are we missing my burger? We're missing my burger. There was this terrifying green Big Mac that I found online that uh, they, they didn't ever serve it in the United States, but if you traveled to another country, I think it was over in China, they served this just horrifying green. It, it was terrible. But I'm not sure that green Doritos and green cupcakes and green Big Macs are what Mama was referring to years ago when they said, eat your greens, right? So in the same way that that would technically be following the letter of the law, it's, it's not fighting a very good fight. And in the same way as we get into uh, 2 Thessalonians today, it's great for us to, to be able to say the right things. It's great for us to be able to come here and worship together and look at the Word and say, yeah, God, God wants me to stand up and to fight for the truth. But if we don't talk about how, that's kind of a powerless fight, isn't it? We're going to fall short if we don't have a battle plan of how we're going to do that. So that's what we're going to get to to do and and look at a little bit this morning is how God would want us to fight that fight. So if you're there with me, we're going to look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. So let's read the whole passage and see what we're going to be looking at uh, this morning, and then we're going to get into it a little bit in detail. Starting in verse 1, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it did also with you. That we will be rescued from perverse and evil men, for not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you, that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. And May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that that we can gather together and know that your word is true, that your word is faithful to do the work that you have for it to do. And God, we come before you as soft clay this morning, that we would be shaped and molded by what your spirit has for us this morning. Amen. As we get into these verses, uh, just a a reminder that I know you guys know this already, but Paul and and Silvanus, Silas, uh, and Timothy, they were missionaries. One of their primary jobs that they traveled around and did, they they would go into a town and they would take the news of who this Jesus character was that people may or may not have heard of. They would they would take news of Jesus into a town and they would share the good news that while people are sinners and have disobeyed and broken God's laws and deserve to be punished, they no longer have to be because of what Jesus did at the cross, like we sang about. They would go and they would take that good news and they would start creating this this little church in a town. And they would give that church the responsibility of continuing to take the message of Jesus to their friends and their families and their neighbors. And then the missionaries would go somewhere else and would do the same thing. And so the, 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 the church, Christianity, is beginning to spread throughout the region. And as these guys, as Paul and them leave town, they, they also played the role of pastor. 
that they would try to reach back. They couldn't FaceTime, but they would, you know, write letters and things like that. That they would reach back and they would, they would make contact with these beloved brothers and sisters, people who many of them, they were, they were their spiritual children. They had led them to the faith. And they cared deeply about knowing that these people were continuing to grow and continuing to, to follow the life that God had for them. And so as they would come into town, I can only imagine these missionaries, Paul, as he, as he comes into town, he probably had a pretty good, pretty good show, right? You know, you, you see the traveling circus or the different groups that come into town. Maybe it's a band that comes into town. It is the same show every city they go to. They know when they hit that final chord, how it's going to make the crowd respond. They know everything about how the show is just kind of polished and perfect. And I could kind of imagine that, that Paul may have some of those same tendencies, that he knows how he's going to share some truth and it's going to get an emotional response and, and people are going to respond. But that's not, that's not Paul's strategy. Paul's, Paul's approach, Paul's hope was not in a polished presentation. It was not in his strength or his wisdom. And so, if you want to flip there, we're going to go to to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to have the verses on the screens as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, talks about how Paul's hope was not in his power or in his wisdom. Starting in verse 1, it says, When I came to you, brothers... I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit of God and of power. So that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men but on the power of God. Church, as we gather together this morning, we have the same hope that Paul had. Our hope for success for the Rock Community Church is not in powerful preaching, as wonderful as Pastor Mark and the other men that come up here. They, they, as wonderful as they may be, our hope is not in a great speaker. Our hope is not in a beautiful building that we might come and gather together in. It's not even in the wonderful musicians that come up here. And believe it or not, it's not even in the wonderful smells that are coming from those doors right now. As wonderful as the bacon may be, our hope is not in bacon. Our hope is in the power of the Holy Spirit. That God would be at work in His church. And as I was thinking through all that, as I was seeing that in these verses, as Paul said, pray for us. And he said, I don't come to you with beautiful, wonderful, crafted words and and worldly wisdom. I come to you with the power of God. Warren Wiersbe uh, had a quote that just fits so well right here. He said, too much Christian work today is accomplished by human plans and promotion and not by the Word of God. We trust our programs and do not publish the Word of God. The universe was created and is sustained by the Word of God. So surely His Word can accomplish His work in the world. The Word of God is enough. Jesus is enough. The Holy Spirit at work among us is enough. And as great as all the other things may be, 
the pretty building, the comfortable chairs, the great speaker, as great as they might be. Our hope is not in reaching Anaheim Hills, is not in reaching Orange County because we've got a beautiful building and a great speaker. Our hope for reaching the world is in the God who created it. As we continue on, let's look at verse 2. He started and said, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord would spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it did also with you, and that we will be rescued from perverse and evil men, for not all have faith. Paul is asking for prayer that they would be rescued from evil men. There were these enemies that were at work around them, that were at work in the area where they were trying to share the gospel and, and hoped that the gospel, the good news of who Jesus was, would go forward. So what is Paul asking for exactly here? What, what's Paul's request? Is Paul's request for easy work? Is it for comfortable? Man, it would just be wonderful. If these enemies weren't here, we could go out, like we, we, we would be unopposed and could share easily. What was Paul's thoughts about his own comfort? Well, I'm glad you asked because that's where we're heading in my notes. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, he talks about some of the things uh, that he had to deal with as, as Paul was going around and ministering. He said, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Uh, side note, they thought if they beat somebody 40 times, it would kill them. So they only, hit, they only beat Paul 39 times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from, my, from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I've been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure of me of concern for all of the churches." Who is weak without my being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? But if I have to boast, I will boast of what it pertains to my weakness. Paul went through a lot. And knowing all of that, knowing his history of all the things that he had to face, that he was beaten repeatedly, that he was shipwrecked, that he was bit by a poisonous snake that he doesn't even mention here. It hadn't happened yet. All of these things he's able to say what he said in Philippians chapter 4. He said, Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I'm in. I know how to get along with humble means, and I know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. And the popular verse that we recognize he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That verse we, we see so often in America, right? We see that so often, and a lot of the times people may say it to, to say, I can win all football games through Christ who strengthens me. I can get the promotion that I want through Christ who strengthens me. But what was Paul saying there? He wasn't saying, I can, I can just get all the good things that I want because Christ is going to help me. He said, it doesn't matter if I'm in jail or if I'm free. It doesn't matter if I am hungry and have nothing 
or if I'm prosperous, I've learned that whatever life may have to throw at me, God is enough. And because God is enough, He can face whatever challenge, whatever difficulty, whatever hardship. So let's jump back to to 2 Thessalonians. And as we look in chapter 3, we look at His request that, that they would be rescued from perverse men and evil men. Is Paul just asking for life to be easy and comfortable? I think it's safe for us to say, no, Paul's goal is not just easy. What Paul's asking for here is that the one thing that was most important to him in, in life, that it would bear fruit. That taking the good news of who God is, of what God had done in his life, that his goal was to take that message to the people that were around him. And side note, church, that should be our goal too. That if God has done a work in us and we've been set free from sin and we've been set free from death like we sang about a few minutes ago, that if that's the case in our lives, our prayer should be that the gospel would be unhindered when we take it to our neighbors, when we take it to our coworker, when we take it to our world. I want to take just a second and give you guys a little bonus sermon. This one's free. You guys don't have to pay any extra this morning. Uh, and it's, it's kind of separated out from uh, the main passage that we're looking at, but it's something that I read just a minute ago, and I just want to encourage you for, for just a minute. Um, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11, he spoke, uh, uh, verse 28, he said, Apart from such external things, there is a daily pressure on me of my concern for all the churches. Paul was a pastor. Paul was a man who loved the people that God had given him responsibility over. He loved the people, his, his spiritual children. And he asked them repeatedly. He, he knew the power of prayer. He knew the importance of how God had to work in the lives of the people and how God had to work in, in his life so that they might be able to be fruitful. And just, just the little bonus encouragement for you guys this morning. Being a pastor is hard. And I've only been here about two and a half weeks, but I've seen a love and a concern for you, just like Paul has in your pastor, in Pastor Mark. I've seen that love and concern for you in your elders. Would you pray for them regularly, repeatedly? They carry a burden on your behalf. They love you and they want God's best for you. And there are times when they lay in bed at night and cry at the sins, at the burden that, that may be hurting the sheep. It's a heavy weight. It's one that Paul spoke of here, and it's one that I can tell you from firsthand experience that I have seen your elders and your leaders, your staff, they love you. And they want what's best for you. And just as Paul did, my request for you would be that you would pray for, that you would encourage, that you would love your leaders. So that's just a little bonus. Uh, let's get back to, uh, to 2 Thessalonians. We're going to look uh, now at verse 3. He starts at the beginning. He says, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord would spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it did also with you. 
that we will be rescued from perverse and evil men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. But the Lord is faithful, and He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Verse 3 is, is the power verse. Verse 3 is the one where you go, this one's it. It says, the Lord will strengthen and will protect you. I don't know if anyone's bold enough to, to admit it in here, but silently by yourself, consider, have, have you ever come into a church service? Have you ever been reading your Bible at home and thought, God, there's no way I can do that. You're asking too much of me. That I, There's no way. Well, good news, you're right. There's no way that you can do it. But you know what? The, the joy of the Christian life, the joy of following God is that He doesn't say, all right, go do it. Good luck. He says, I'll put my spirit inside of you. That, that while you may not be able to do it on your own, the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you is. And so as we look at, at these verses... The Lord is faithful and He will strengthen you. It's a joyful hope. Our confidence is in God, not in men. It's not even in ourselves. I, I, um, I grew up in a, a world, uh, in a family, in a friend circle, where asking for help, where looking for something from someone else, it wasn't exactly a, a common thing. Let's just say it that way. You're supposed to be strong. You puff your chest out. You pick yourself up by your bootstraps and, and, and you figure it out. That if you have enough discipline and enough hard work, you can do anything. Well, that might be great for a lot of things. But I can tell you guys from experience, there's a lot of things that I can't do on my own. But God can. As we look at verse 2, we see human enemies uh, that are kind of at the forefront of Paul's efforts. But then verse 3, he, he transitions a little bit. He says at the end of verse 3, he says uh, that, that the Lord will strengthen and protect us from the evil one. And that serves as a reminder to me and, and to us as a church that there is, there is a war that's going on that's not just things that we can see. There is a spiritual reality that exists in the world. C.S. Lewis, at the beginning of the Screwtape Letters, uh, one of his famous books, he, he, he said that... I didn't put it in my notes. I should have put that quote in my notes. So, we're going we're gonna to shoot from the hip and hope that I get pretty close. Go look it up. It's a really good one. <clears throat> but he said that there's a spiritual reality of a war that's going on around us, and, and we can make two mistakes in that. First one is that we think that nothing that happens uh, has a spiritual reality, that everything is just worldly uh, realities. But the other is that we can find a demon under every rock. And that we, well, the, the, the devil made me late for work. No, you ran over a nail, and the nail made you late for work. There, there's, there's both. But it's important for us to remember that we don't just fight against worldly realities. So if you would, let's, let's flip over and look at uh, the book of Ephesians chapter 6 for just a minute. Turn with me there. It's just to the left, a couple of books. 
As we start in verse 12, we see Paul again share what I was just saying with you guys. He says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the worldly forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And because of that, he says this, Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Then in three more verses, you know what he says? I'll summarize 18, 19, and 20 for you. He says, pray. And then he says it again, pray. And then he says it again, pray. Ask that God would be the one that would do the work in you. All of those pieces of armor, all of those things, that the, the weapons of war that we have to fight this fight that we're asked to fight. Are they hard work weapons for you? Or are they weapons that God gives to you? It says, have faith. Well, having faith is something that you do, but but your hope for your faith is not in you. It's in the object of our faith. It's in the Lord. It speaks of our righteousness. You know what? You know what the Bible says about your righteousness and about my righteousness? It compares it to filthy rags. The righteousness that we place our hope in is not in our good works, but is in the righteousness of Jesus that was put on our account at the cross. All of these things, our hope... Church, hear this this morning. This is the one thing for you to take away from this morning as we dig into all of this. I've got an illustration that's going to help you kind of connect the dots here in just a minute. Our hope is not in us being enough. As wonderful as you may be, and I'm sure you are, and I've met many of you so far, and you're wonderful people. But you're not enough, and I'm not enough to do this life on our own. But, when we allow the Spirit of God to work in us, when we ask that the Lord would strengthen us, it changes things. So, our illustration, I want to show you guys a picture, just remind you before we get into this, uh, I have four wonderful kids and any opportunity I have, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick them up on the screen and just brag about them and, and just, that's a beautiful batch of kids, isn't it? <laughs> I love my kids. But as we, you, you may have met some of them, if nothing else, I'm sure they've run past you in the hallway, you probably tripped over one of them out there. But I live in, like, cartoon land right now. And so as I'm thinking through this, like, as I'm reading Scripture, it's weird. Stuff will just pop into my head. It's like, you know, okay, God, like, if that's, if that's something that helps this kind of click and connect in my head or in other people's heads, um, we'll use that. So, admittedly, just remember, I have four young children, and it's okay that, that my life lives in cartoons right now. So, Uh, We're going to watch a video clip that kind of talks about this reality of my strength versus my father's strength. 
That was it? <laughs> Do it again. Sorry. If you ever come near my son again. Oh, this is this is your son. Oh, yours. <laughs> Did you know that? No, me. I, I didn't know. No. Did you? No, of course not. No. Ed. <laughs> Doodles. There's times where. God tells us, go and do that. And when I go, yeah, I can do that, a lot of the times it kind of plays out in my life as this, rawr. <laughs> Simba had, he had a lot of spirit. He said, I got this. I'm not scared. Rawr. But when the power of daddy showed up, daddy took care of it. And the same thing in your life. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what addictions may exist in your life. I don't know what struggles, what medical concerns may exist in your life. I don't, I don't know what God's got going on in your world right now. But you know what I do know? I know that if you try to deal with it yourself, it's probably going to come out as a meow. And if we trust God, God, you're in control. And you're enough. God's got a big roar. And He can take care of whatever it is that you're facing in your life. Not in our own power, but that the Lord would strengthen us. Let's look at verse 4. He starts and says, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord would spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it did also with you. That we will be rescued from evil and perverse men, For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful and He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you, that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. As we saw a minute ago, he says our hope is in the Lord. And as I read these verses, I feel like it reflects a mindset that that we find in Romans chapter 12 verse 1. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. What he's saying there is, whatever you do in your body, it should be a sacrifice to God. That everything that we have, that we should be giving it to Him. We should say, God, I'm yours I'm yours when I wake up in the morning. I'm yours when I lay down at night. I'm yours when I go to work. I'm yours when I go to school. I'm yours when I'm I'm running around the neighborhood. I'm yours when I'm working in the yard. I'm yours whenever. We have a confidence in the Lord concerning you that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. And finally, in verse 5, he says, May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. We see it, and then we see it, and then we see it again. He says, The Lord will direct your heart 
And he says, direct your hearts. And he says two things. Direct your heart into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. And those two things go hand in hand. Those two things fit together and, and are essential to one another. As we talk about God doing things in His power in our lives, as we talk about living this life in a way that we can one day stand before God and be proud of the way that we lived our lives, that we held to the truth, that we battled for truth, that we defended the gospel in our world, all of the things that God asks us to do, all of those things, our hope is found in leaning into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. And the way that we stand steadfast, we see it over and over again. We see it in Ephesians. We see it in all of these different places. That, that idea of standing firm, having your feet set, that no matter what blows around in life, that your feet are set on the truth, that you're going to stand firm on what God wants you to stand firm on. You know how we do that? We do that by drawing ourselves in, by being drawn in to the love of God. There's a couple of quotes that, that I want to share with you that kind of help me understand this and think through this. Uh, the first one uh, is by a guy named Thomas Chalmers, and uh, the, the book that he wrote uh, is called The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. The idea is that if we're going to give up something, something that's more important to us has to take its place. He said, It is seldom that any of our tastes are made to disappear by the mere process of natural extinction. The heart must have something to cling to, and never by its own voluntary consent will it so denude itself of, its all, of all its attachments. Therefore, the superior affection for God through the free gospel of Christ, is necessary to displace worldly affections. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, you may love your sin. If we're, if we're honest, there's times where sin is, is fun for a season, right? There, there's, reason, there's, there's times where, man, I find myself going back, and I find myself going back, and I find myself going going back and falling into those same temptations over and over and over again. And the way that we fight those is not by mustering up enough strength. It's not by picking yourself up by your bootstraps. It's not by enough discipline and, and willpower. It's by loving something else more than you love your sin. It's about understanding how much God loves you and loving Him, that, that your love for God would be more to you than your love of that sin. John Bloom also said it a little more succinctly. He said, Sin is not fundamentally defeated through the power of self-denial, but through the power of a greater desire. Church, the way that we fight for truth, the way that we win the war that we're in, is not by mustering more strength. It's by a greater desire. It's that the more that we love Christ, the more that we lean into Him, the more that we know Him, the more that we pray and ask for His strength in our lives, the more He will strengthen you. The more that He will 
stand you on a solid place and, and that you'll be able to stand firm when those temptations come. If I had to summarize the books of First and Second Thessalonians, I would summarize them and say, He's coming, be ready. We're going to stand before God and give an account one day of how we have fought for the truth, how we have stood for the truth. My encouragement for you this morning is live your life in a way that you're prepared for that day. Be ready. But it's not in your strength. Simba, it's not in your strength. It's in the strength of your daddy who has promised that he has enough that whatever you're facing, whatever may be going on in life, I don't know. I'd love to know. I'd love to be praying for you. I'd love to help in any way that I can. But I don't know all of you yet. But you know what I do know? My daddy does. And his strength is enough. In just a minute, the band is going to come up, Michael's going to come up, and we're going to have a time of of communion, of reflecting on the great sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. If you need prayer, if you need someone to speak with, our prayer team is going to be down here after the service. I'd encourage you to come and and speak with them. But most importantly, I'd encourage you to speak with your Father and ask Him, God, would you give me the strength to deal with whatever it is that's going on in my life? Would you pray with me now? God, we thank you for God for the promise that you are at work in our lives. God, that, that no matter what we may face, that you're enough. And God, we pray that as we gather together here this morning, that we would be encouraged, that our hearts would be strengthened by the fact that, God, that you're enough and that you promise that you will put your Holy Spirit in us. So God, we give ourselves to you. We offer our lives as a sacrifice to you. And we pray that you would do your work in us. It's in your son's holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Drew.